Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. So today with us, we have Dr. Josh Kurtz, and he is an assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics here at the University of Louisville School of Medicine, and you are in the Division of Cardiology. Thank you so much. We're talking today about one of the journal articles from the Health Professions Education Journal Club. So uh, if listeners don't know what we're talking about, this is a completely online and asynchronous journal club that we hold through Perusal, which is a social e-reader platform where we have faculty from all over HSC can drop in read the article, leave comments, contribute to discussions completely asynchronously through the month. So March's article was fostering a feedback mindset, and this was a qualitative exploration of medical students' feedback experiences with longitudinal coaches. If we think about the context, this article was written in July of 2020, or published in July of 2020, At the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, all medical students are assigned to a physician coach before matriculation. The coaching program was designed to address students' perceptions of persistent shortcomings in the amount and quality of advising and mentoring, as well as inconsistencies in foundational skills instruction. So each coach oversees five to six medical students uh, from the same academic class and during the first 18 months students and coaches participate in structured weekly clinical skills sessions and frequent coach observation and feedback in these sessions coaches guide students through clinical scenarios and teach clinical skills and communication techniques so Coaches observe the students with standardized patients and in preceptorships with patients in real clinical settings. The coaches are instructed to provide students with feedback about their clinical skill development, and students are encouraged to seek feedback from their coaches. Then here's a difference. The coaches do not conduct summative assessments of their own students. I think that's the heart of this article, the heart of this whole process. I really think that if a learner gets a summative assessment from a coach, that coach is really there to provide them help and and experiences and how to be better, then that student is gonna be afraid to fail in front of that coach. And so that student won't ever really feel comfortable, right? They wouldn't trust them, They, they really would want to be showcasing every time, and and that's not the way to learn. Is it because summative assessments are about grades? Yes. As opposed to formative assessments, which are not about grades? More. 100%. The coach is there to be formative feedback. The coach is there to provide feedback on their skills, provide feedback on their communication skills, working with the patients. If the student has to get a grade from this individual, they're not gonna want to look dumb. They're not gonna want to be vulnerable in front of this individual. 
and learning is hard, mm. and learning requires vulnerability, and it, you're, I think you're right, it would stifle their willingness to take risks with how they do the skills or the questioning techniques or whatever they're being trained on. And so almost by definition, coaches cannot be summative assessors, or they're not coaches anymore. Well, think about it from a, a sports analogy, if you will. So a basketball coach, you know, they're not the referees during the game, right? The coach is try. On the, well, <laughs> I can yell really loud, I know. But they're on the sidelines or in practice. But when it's game time, when it's showtime, it's the ref who decides if that was a foul. Josh, you commented in the HPE Journal Club that you thought this kind of setup might be difficult. Have you ever had experiences like this? Or do you do you have an, um, the typical relationship where you're giving that summative assessment with students? Yeah, I think that's the, the hard part so much about med students and the subspecialty um, field with residents. And what I kind of commented on it is, you know, we'll be on service for at most a week at a time. And so uh, without that longitudinal pairing, with at least uh, with general residents, you're going to be on the general service three, four, or five times. So if you with someone one week, you'll get them again. Whereas for us, you know, we maybe get at most three, four, or five days, and we're now expected to give somebody feedback, but they're also going to get their milestone uh, competency assessment for that rotation based on our four days of being with them or as a med student actually their clerkship grade based on those four days of feedback and, and to everything um, everyone was just saying that really is going to put them in a, in a vulnerable spot where they're not going to want to take any risk they're only going to do the stuff they know they're good at because they need to highlight look how good i am in these three days that that i'm showing you here and you won't be able to be like oh yeah you're great at those you know things that you did but what about this that you never tried and we'll never even realize oh you need to work on this or get better I think your experience in cardiology mirrors many of our pediatric specialty inter interactions with students and residents. I, I know in the ID service, it's exactly the same thing. They're with us. I, I am on service for a week. Uh, the residents that are there, uh, maybe not there on the weekend, and so maybe it's three or four days out of the week, and that's all I get with them. Um, and, and so it's very hard. For, it's hard for the evaluator, and it's hard for the, the learner to really get anything worthwhile from that kind of engagement. It, it tends to be very superficial. So unless they really bomb, yeah. right? Like they don't go see the patient, <laughs> right? And they yeah. try to tell you what the exam was having not seen the patient. Um, unless something dramatic happens like that, it, it tends to be very superficial and not terribly helpful in, in the kind of feedback we can deliver. Yeah, well, and I think to take it a little further, and, and a lot of what the, the article talks about too is, you know, they found in this article and, and a number of others, and I, I think when you talked to Dr. Multer uh, in the past about mm -hmm. this, she said the same thing, that one of the most important parts of feedback is time, you know, timeliness and specificity. And, you know, as you're saying, I think that's one of the biggest parts you miss out on when you're really busy on service, you see, you know, they see one patient with you on Tuesday, you don't get a chance to them talk onto them on Tuesday, then by the time Friday rolls around, you see another patient with them, and you, you know, they did the same thing. Well, if you had the chance to talk about them on Tuesday, it might have helped 
now if you talk about what happened on Tuesday, they're not going to remember. And it's hard to make it specific because now you're trying to give them feedback on, you know, everything that went over for this week. Now at one time, even, you know, institutions that, you know, really are, are strong on feedback and do things like Feedback Friday, you know, you're still taking things that may be a week old that are going to be a lot more general because you're talking about the whole week versus the setup that they talk about in this article where it's, you know, you're in this interaction where you go, you do it, and then you get feedback. Yes. So I really liked this article because it was a qualitative study. Um, and any listeners who haven't had a lot of experience reading qualitative studies, this this is a really interesting piece to read because you know the you know the topic really well. So it's really meaningful to see, um, and it's going to be up in perusal. Um, forever. I guess forever. So <laughs> you can. There's still time to go jump in and take a read. Um, but in the in these qualitative articles, you get to see some of the quotes that the research participants um, gave, which it gives you a richer understanding of the topic than maybe you would get from uh, more quantitative data or maybe survey results. But one of the things that they talked about in this article is it, they de- were able to help the students um, develop this expectation for feedback, and they were, de- were able to develop a culture of feedback at their institution. Um, and one of the quotes that when, uh, in the interviews that came up is, one student explained, I see it as an opportunity for growth and improvement rather than criticism or a message that I'm not doing well or that I'm not meeting standards. So I think, and it, you think, did someone pay the yeah, student to say that? I mean, that's exactly what you want, right? Is is you're not getting a critique. It's not what, what you're not doing well. It is, I'm giving you this information so that you can do better. And that is really, that's really difficult to make that change. So I, I love this article and seeing that they were actually able to have those outcomes. There is a, a description of physicians who were at one point earlier in their life uh, musicians or athletes. And it, it describes the culture difference. And that's what you're talking about, Laura, is that there's a, an expectation of a feedback culture in, described in this article. But there's also the expectation of a feedback culture. If you were a competitive swimmer in college, your coach probably provided formative feedback all morning long, because they start real early in the morning, right? <laughs> but they were all over you with formative feedback, and yet they're the ones who aren't judging if you're going to win or not. But but they're the ones that are there. And you expected them to say, you didn't turn right, you didn't kick this way, right. watch what the left hand is doing. And, and there was an expectation of that, um, because in the end, they weren't the judge of how well you were going to do or you're going to win the medal. The same thing is true with musicians, where you're, there's an expectation that your music teacher is going to critique you. And and for the sole purpose of you getting better, yet he's not the one or she's not the one that determines, are you going to get the award at the big music festival when you do this performance? It's not the individuals involved. It's the context within which they live where there's an expectation or not an expectation of this kind of formative feedback and and an ability to judge where am I on a continuum of improvement from somebody who's seen it before who has some expertise and some knowledge and I think that's very informative for us to see the issue then becomes what do we do about it the issue is how do we how do we do something about it feedback culture right at this institution or any institution and I think that is that is what's really important for us to discuss and think about. Well, in the article, it's not that every one of the um, coaches did well 
I mean, they talked, some of the, some of the students talked about how they had tensions with their coaches because they weren't, they were asking for feedback and they weren't getting it, or they weren't really getting the kind of feedback they were hoping to get. But I think even though, uh, you know, and that's a, so that's a faculty development issue, right? Like that's growth on the faculty side that needs to happen. But for that student, even though they did not get what they needed, it's still a learning experience for them because when they go on to in residency and they're giving feedback or when they go on to be a faculty member, hopefully they can be reflective enough now because they've trained about what feedback to expect and didn't get it, they know what not to do. So one of the unique aspects of this, Josh, is the longitudinal aspect of this. So it's not that we trained you in your one week to be a better formative feedback giver. These were designated people who were charged with, for the long term of that student's life in that school, to be there for them and provide, I've watched you for the past year kind of comments that could help them see where they are. Um, and, and so can someone speak to the, the uniqueness of the longitudinal nature? And this is an expensive way to do this, to buy yeah. enough faculty time that 20% of each faculty member who participates as a coach gets to do this one day a week. Can someone speak to the, to the, longitudinal, the importance of the longitudinal component? And there's got to be an intermediate between not doing it at all and doing it the way the UCSF Medical School did it. What the central figure looks at is it really talks about that long-term relationship and how the whole point is at the beginning, you develop your kind of individual relationship. You then develop kind of trust in the the coach, and it's a two-way street that you're developing trust in the coach, you're getting tailored feedback, and then it's an interactive discussion. And so that, you know, as we were talking about earlier, if I've seen you for three days on service and I'm giving you feedback, well, who's to say, well, you've seen me for three days. I don't even know what your background is. How do I know you have a clue about me or what I'm going to do? But now you've seen me every month for three years. Well, all of a sudden you've noticed, hey, this is who you are. And they actually even talk about more importantly, getting to know them at a personal level and the individual investment, um, which I think makes a big difference. And so now they've gotten to to see this person as an individual. They've seen how they grow. So they've learned their strengths and weaknesses, been able to find ways that their feedback helps them improve. And at, at times you said that students who may not thought they were getting good feedback, it wasn't that they didn't get good feedback, but maybe they didn't understand what was, what was being said. And so um, if you're able to do it in a way you over the time, you'll find the ways that, oh, I know this works for, 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 for this person and is gonna make them understand the concept and do better. Yeah, I think that very nicely summarizes the, the importance of this longitudinal aspect to this. It also supports the notion of all learning and it has to be in a safe, trusting environment. And it's hard to do in a three-day time period, as you pointed out. So this longitudinal nature of this allows, longitudinal nature of this allows for that trust to develop and that relationship to develop in a, in a far richer way than a sequence of 30 different attendings over that year that are each giving you three days worth of feedback that, you know, it limits its value. So Josh, you 
commented in the article um, in the HPE Journal Club that a lot of times learners don't realize they're getting feedback unless you name it, yeah. unless you explicitly say, this is feedback, you are receiving feedback. They don't realize that, you know, they, they are getting, um, they're getting feedback about their performance or their, or their learning. Have you approached feedback differently with that in mind? Or how do you how do you make sure that uh, your learners know that they are getting feedback? Yeah, so I'm gonna for any of the pediatricians out there, I'm gonna put a plug in for the American Academy of Pediatrics Advancing uh, Pediatric Educator Excellence Program. So anyone interested, you can do it. So I'm uh, part of that now, and so that's where I kind of learned about this discussion. And they talk a lot about feedback, and their recommendation. What I've started doing is literally you talk to the, when you sit the resident down or you talk to the resident, you say, I'm going to give you feedback now. I mean, you you do explicitly say it that way um, because that's a lot of times and they've you know done studies on this where they, they ask the faculty and they ask the, the learner, did you get feedback? And the faculty always say, yes, I gave feedback every week. And the learner goes, oh, I think they said it once maybe, but it, yeah. because they just kind of said, oh, you did this well, you didn't do this well. And the, the learner never kind of realized, oh, they were giving me feedback. And, you know, I think another issue with it was I heard, you know, I heard someone else speaking recently and they talked about, and this goes back to that mindset um, where the article is really talking about, as a uh, educator, if you aren't comfortable getting feedback, it's going to be hard for you to give it because you're going to be ego protective. If you go, when someone gives me feedback, I take it personally or I take it as summative feedback. I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. I'm only going to tell them all the good things they did. Um, and so I think, again, developing that feedback mindset that if we're you know, only giving learners all the good things they did, they don't realize, oh, yeah, that was good and you got feedback. But without some of the constructive nature, you kind of lose a lot of the, I mean, yes, feedback should be telling you, yeah, keep doing this. It was good. But it's also, yeah, great. Keep doing that. But do this better. And I think a really important component of the feedback uh, that I think everyone needs to think through is like when you're sitting down with the resident or the learner, whomever, and providing feedback, it's always important to bring back, here's the expectation. This is where you did. This did not meet our expectation. And these are the things that you can do to get up to the expectation. Another question also came up in the HPU Journal Club, <laughs> the feedback sandwich. Oh. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me why. Well, tell our audience why. I, I, I know why. Stacey, <laughs> you have strong feelings about the feedback. Do, I do. So wait, do, does everybody know? Should we you, explain? You, explain you should explain it. it. Yeah. All right. Go so ahead. the feedback sandwich is this methodology, I guess, for providing feedback. And so they start with a good comment. This is something you did well. Then they provide, you know, the critique. Here's where you need to improve. And then they try to prop it back up with another. And you did this well as well. That seems yeah. very gentle. I want that sandwich. <laughs> but you see. Stacy doesn't like that kind of sandwich. I, I think that sandwich doesn't really push the learner to improve, right? Because it, either the initial, this was fantastic, like overshadows everything else you happen to say, or the critique, it, it's, it doesn't set the foundation, right? That these are the types of things that you need to do. And it just washes, it's a washout. 
It's like the bread's really thick and you got one slice of ham. <laughs> and the bread on the really thick. And you lose the critique, the ham in the middle of it, right? It's gone. It disappears. So what should, what should faculty do instead of the feedback sandwich? So there is this model that I've looked at, and I can't wait to try to... Manipulated into a new workshop. So, <laughs> the what I have seen some research on is basically, first you provide the expectation. Okay, so you start this. You know, when we do notes, this is how it's supposed to be done, and then you can go to. I know you are really capable of doing this. Then the next step is, but this example right here doesn't show that you're doing the expectation, okay? And then here's what you can do to actually get up to the expectation that we've set. So it's really kind of four steps. So one, there's an expectation. Number two, we know you can do this. You are capable of it. Number three, your work is not showing that you're capable of doing it. And number four, this is how you're going to move forward. So that sounds a lot to me like self-directed learning. Whoa. Like you're, you're setting up the high expect, you know, this is your expectations. We know you can do it. Let me, let me help you guide, let me guide you. Yes. But not just being like, this was a bad thing, but you did really well. You were so wonderful. And take care, we'll talk to you later. It's more of the summative informative feedback as well too. When you get the, the summative feedback, you're so much, the motivation is, well, I just have to do well versus right. with this formative feedback, you want to oh, I need to get it better myself. <laughs> right. I need to improve. And this is an, a way to help people improve. I threw this last part for discussing this article. You know, we generally provide a challenge. And I really wanted to open it up to everyone here today. What can we do? us individually and as a you know a unit here at the University of Louisville what can we do to help create a more feedback friendly mindset with our learners and ourselves for that matter I think one thing that would be really helpful is um, more explicitly setting up the expectation for what feedback is going to look like so you know Josh I think on the faculty side you know um, signposting this is feedback that, <laughs> yeah. that sounds like a really easy really easy, easy thing to do but also for the for the learners um to have that explicit discussion about this is what feedback is going to look like it's not going to be the feedback sandwich anymore and it's and that is not um that's also not abuse <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like i think that would be that would go a long way i think for faculty to feel um more confident and more comfortable giving uh, helpful feedback to learners. I think building on it a little, you know, making sure the learners know that it's not tied to their grade and to their assessment. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk to them about this is what feedback looks like, letting them know, hey, it may be critical at times, it may be, but it's not your grade, it's not your milestones, it's not your competency. This is to, to make you better. Um, and so kind of disassociating it from the, the final you know, grade or whatever mark you want to define as the, the end. So in addition to the individual things that Laura and Josh have talked about that faculty could do in, in making, in contributing to a, a feedback culture, you know, essentially you're, drawing, you're trying to change a culture from a whatever it is now, I'm not sure I know the best term to describe <laughs> it, but it's not a feedback culture, to one where feedback is expected 
and appreciated and is part of the learning process. In order to make that culture change, it's like any other culture change initiative. It's going to take system level intervention to begin to change the, the, the beliefs that drive new actions and new behaviors to get different results. And so I think at a system level, we need to be talking with the, the system mm-hmm. about how do, we, how do we change beliefs about feedback among the faculty. And I think that, and, and among the students, residents, uh, fellows, they have to know what the expectations are at this institution. And I think that's where I think systemic focus is needed to talk about how do they, how do they change their belief patterns about what feedback is. Learners, you are capable of receiving critical feedback. If we can get across to the fact this is about your growth, this is about helping you become a better physician, a better nurse, a better dentist, whatever, then I think we can make a bigger impact. Well, Josh, thanks for talking through this article with us, and we really appreciate you participating in the HPE Journal Club as well, and we'll hopefully have you back here soon. Thanks for having me, and I really enjoy the Journal Club, so I'm excited for next month's article. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more, and come hungry.